Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to watch more analysis of the stocks in this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the market report videos under the Learning Center. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to this week's Australian Stock Market Report. Now this week we're going to look at what is being wealthy and it may not be what you think. Then we'll get into the Australian Stock Market so I can share with you my thoughts, where it's heading along with answering all of your questions and looking at stocks for you. Hello, I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Now before we move on, thank you for showing your support for our channel and hitting that subscribe button. Now remember, as you subscribe, click the bell on the right of it so you keep up to date with our latest videos. Also remember to tune into our live Australian stock market show every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Time. And this is the show where you get to ask us, the stock market education and trading experts, to look at your favorite stocks and answer all of your most burning questions. Now, the past few months has certainly been interesting for everyone around the world, not just politically, but in terms of health and quality of lifestyle. Now, some of the issues have brought us closer together, whilst others have torn us apart, but all of these world events have affected our wealth, not just as a nation, but as individuals. Now, over many decades, we've seen the divide between the haves and the have-nots in many countries around the world grow, including Australia. Now, despite our country being considered wealthy, I have to question whether this is really the case, because the divide between the haves and have-nots has caused significant divisions in countries like the US, which we have watched play out on television over recent months. Now, we know Australia follows the US, and whilst I'm not suggesting we will end up like the US, we do need to address the divisions that exist in Australia right now. We need to support Australians to create more wealth in their lives by helping and supporting those who actually need it. Right now, our farmers are hurting, as are many small businesses, but we also need to look after the less fortunate as well as young people and indeed the elderly. Now, whilst it's every individual's responsibility to create and look after their own wealth, if we truly want to be recognised as a wealthy nation, we need to give Australians who desire to create wealth the knowledge, tools, laws and financial support in order for them to become wealthy. We can't effectively do this by providing support for large international companies. Rather, we need to support all Australians from the ground up. So what were the best and worst performing sectors last week? Well, after a slow start to the year, information technology has taken off on the back of a strong rise in the WAC stocks, including WiseTech and Afterpay, with the sector up 5% last week. Consumer discretion was also strong, up 4.76%, whilst healthcare, that was up 3.33%. 
The worst performing sectors, well, they included utilities, which was down 1.04%, followed by energy down 0.9%, and materials, that was down 0.15%. The best performers in the ASX S&P Top 100 stocks included WiseTech up 19.73%, followed by Domino's Pizza up 11.76%, and Fisher & Pico, well, that was up 10.8%, with Insatech Pivot not far behind, up 10.67%. The worst performers, well, they included Illumin, that was down 6.27%, followed by Cleanaway Waste Management, that was down 5.28%, with Beach Energy down 4.59%, and Mineral Resources, that was down 4.12%. So what do I expect in the market moving forward? Well, let's get into the charts for our S&P 500 All Ordinary's Index update for this week. We'll also answer your questions and look at the stocks that you've chosen for me. All right, well, let's go and take a look at the charts about what's happened so far this year. But I really did want to use today to go back in the bigger picture of where the market's unfolding and how it's unfolding. All too often, we just see, you know, we turn on the TV every morning and it tells us what the Dow did last night or what the S&P 500 in the US does and what they expect Australia to do today. And then at the evening news, we get what happened on the stock market today. But one day doesn't make a sheep station. It doesn't make you rich. It doesn't really tell you that much. And it always is about looking at the bigger picture and that's really what I, I really strongly suggest everybody do constantly go back to the bigger picture and it really is looking at the horizon if so to speak um, if you um, as I was saying to Janine I think on last Tuesday night show if you've got a tightrope do you look at your if you're walking on a tightrope do you look at your feet or do you look at the horizon and which one's safer and which one's better or ensures you're going to get to where you want to go and, and it is always looking at the horizon or that bigger picture the more micro you look the more mistakes you're going to make so let's go and have a look at the chart and i've got a monthly chart up on the screen and it's the same chart you've seen plenty of time uh, this is going back to right back through to 1982 which is all of the data that I've got through from uh, on the All Ordinaries Index. Now you can see this line I haven't changed. You've seen this a few times. It's just generally that since 1982, the All Lords has moved up and around that sort of momentum. So rising in price over time is what momentum is. So how much does it move up in price over a period of time? That's what momentum is. So you can see every time it's uh, moves away, it comes back to it. That's the 87 crash. Um, that's 1991 where it came back down to almost the same level. It went up beautifully up into 2001, pulled back into a normal cycle down into 2002. Then we had the largest bull run we'd ever seen through to our 2007 high and then down into the low in March 2009 after the, the, the GFC. And then this move all the way through to the most recent all-time high that we've got was March last year, COVID crash and up here. I want to show you something. And this is, a, I've measured the biggest bull run that I talked about here from that 2002 low. So if I look there and I can show you there, March 2003, and we've got the high in October 2007. If I drag this over here, you can see here that 80, 1987 before the crash, it was running along that same speed, but not for as long. And you can see back from 82, it's, it wasn't. It was only those last sort of 12 months-ish that it rose that strongly from about September 86. It rose that strong. Again, looking at the speed there, if I go over here to after out of the GFC, you can see it was running, the GFC move was running a lot faster and that what's what made it fall over a little bit and take a little bit more time um, over that couple of years there to come into that low just to slow the market down and come back to its normal momentum. 
If I move this along, you can see the periods of time there that will track that sort of angle you can see here all the way through to the most current rise up here. You can see there are periods of time that will track that same angle. Now let's compare that to what's happened since the COVID low. Now that's your COVID low there. See the speed of that? And that's probably the only thing that worries me about our market is it's not normal for it to run at this speed for very high lengths of time. It's very, very short periods of time. If I now expand this back out so we can just see this low, and I'm not suggesting our market's going to crash, I'm suggesting this is all sort of signed or signpost. So for March 2020, we've moved up very, very strongly. Currently in January, doing another strong move. The market will come back to its normal momentum sometime soon, and that's really where we need to be careful. Because whilst the market's moving up, everybody's making money, everybody's happy, but then you get into the, uh, all those fears that people have, the fear of missing out. So they start jumping into the market thinking, and they always say the amateurs get in at the top and sell out at the bottom, where the professionals get in the bottom and sell out at the top. I'm not suggesting our market's gonna crash. I'm just saying the momentum is really fast at the moment. So don't be surprised over this year that the market will start to slow down a little bit, that we won't have spectacular rises like we're actually seeing now. So I'm, I'm expecting that to, to occur because markets do get overheated and I'm expecting things like Bitcoin I think is overheated and I think that should come back. But I'm also saying things like the S&P 500 in the US is a bit overheated and it probably will come back a little bit and won't perform what it did last year. Our market didn't perform strongly last year over the calendar year from 1 January to 31 December. I think we only made a few percent. I think that was exactly what we made. Whereas well, other world markets did a lot better. But since March, we've done very, very well since March of 2020. So we do need, we are searching for a high. Now I'm going to go onto the weekly chart and show you that a little bit just before I finish up on the market. Looking at the weekly chart, we are getting close to our all-time high, which was set uh, February last year, a year ago. So we can see here, let me just get rid of that from last week, but you can see here we closed up. Let me get rid of this um, and delete that so we can see there for you. You can see here we closed quite high on the bar last week, which suggests we're going up uh, very, very nicely. We're getting closer to that all-time high there of 7289. We're now currently at 7113. I am expecting our market to peak. That may have been the peak, that 7113. It may have been the peak, and we, and we will move down into a low sometime mid-February, possibly into late February. We might move down one to three weeks or four weeks into that low. It is possible we'll just jump up this week, make a peak a little bit more higher this week and then start to fall away. But I think right now is that tipping point on that seesaw where it's going to, it will fall over a few weeks. I'm not suggesting it's going to crash or anything right now. I'm suggesting our market will, once it's had those one to three weeks-ish down that will move through into later into February and probably get close to or breaking through that all-time high. And anything right now is just pure, I won't say speculation, it's more um, educated guesses based on how the market unfolds. And this is really where a lot of people think just because an expert says something, it's not absolute. And that's really what you've got to take out of any expert's views. It's just what are we seeing, what normally happens, and then how do we respond to that? And so looking at the market right now, it's, it is moving up. We are looking for a, a high. We are looking for a yearly high sometime soon. There's also things that we talk about in terms of bigger moves. And there's one called the 90-year cycle. Uh, and there's a lot of people saying, well, we've got to come into a 90-year cycle low. We've got other cycles coming into the market which suggest that we are due for a pullback. I think our market will have a big pullback into mid this decade, probably 2023-ish through to 2020 
2025 or 2026, I think we'll have a bigger pullback into that. But right now, I still think our market is good for the year. I think there's some great opportunities in you know, energy, financials, materials. I don't think technology is going to do as well, although it did very, very well last week, as you saw earlier on my report. Um, but I don't think that's where the opportunities are going to be. I think, as I said, energy, materials and financials are where we're going to see a few more opportunities. But always be prepared to exit the market. Uh, and that's the point. It's, it doesn't matter how far a market rises if you're in it because you're making money. It's, it's how far does it fall. That's the issue you've got to have. But uh, hopefully you liked my little bit of a take on the marketplace. And I will get into some other detail over the coming weeks and months. But uh, well, let's get into the questions that we've got from you today. Okay, the first question we have today is from Shadow Walker, who says, Hey, Dale, I'm looking to enter the stock SIM, and it's broken its downtrend line and waiting for an entry. But when I looked at the fundamentals of this stock, apparently it's controlled by an, another company of which, or which they own 75% of the company. So when it comes to trading, do you trade these types of stocks or is it better to stay away from them? Really good question because it's about liquidity, isn't it? I mean, if somebody, another company owns 75% of that stock, are they buying and selling that 75%? And the answer is probably going to be no. They're probably going to be holding on to their 75% of that company. So therefore, then you're looking at maybe 25% of the company is being bought and sold by the general market, whether that's the big institutions or whether that's individuals uh, like yourself. So you've got to look at that. So scarcity will make a share price rise but also liquidity is the issue, isn't it? Because uh, you might, you can always buy a stock. There's never a time where you can't buy a stock, but there may be a time where you can't sell it because that's what you've got to look at. So let's go and have a look at the chart anyway, and I'll keep talking about Simic anyway. So you're looking at the chart of Simic here, uh, and we're seeing here on the left, we have a monthly chart. On the right, we have a weekly chart. You can see there's beautiful move down into the March 2020 low. Simic has been you know, really bearish since 2017. So it's had this big, big move down. And again, looking at this stock, it looks like it's found its support. But you can see if you go right back on history, which is what I was talking about, it is quite a volatile stock. Uh, and it has found some really good support around that sort of $15 mark there, if you're looking at there. And it has started to rise up. It'll Once it gets through that $28.72, I'll be a lot more convinced about its rise. But I think it's looking very, very good right now. A little bit of weakness there on the current month. Uh, we can see a little bit there coming back. But this looks quite good. It's a really nice setup there from a point of view of a stock. Let's go on to the weekly chart. And again, a nice little setup there on this stock. And I don't disagree with you. I'm not drawing a trend line on it, but I don't disagree that you've got a trend line on it. Um, I'm not going to check that for you. But I think this is looking quite strong. Last week, obviously, it, uh, it got down a little bit on open and then it traded down a little bit lower. So it wouldn't surprise me if we get a little bit more weakness because of some of uh, resistance around there, but looking good. But looking at the volumes, so looking at that 2 million shares, at $25, let's keep going back, looking at that's 1.7 million shares. So the liquidity's on the lower side in terms of number of shares traded based on, on this stock, 720,000, but it's not too bad, is it? You know, you could, as I said, I'd be more worried about can you get out of it? So there is concern, uh, let me just put volume on the chart. And let's just, so you can see that volume. And if I squinch that up and I'll bring up the weekly chart so you can see it. Volume, I want, look, what I'm looking for is consistency of volume. And you can see here, since sort of May last year, it's been relatively consistent through here. It was relatively consistent prior to the COVID 
um, pulled back where we had a lot of selling through there, but it has picked up from earlier years. So there is a reasonable amount of shares, but you can look at this on a monthly basis. So turn this chart into a monthly chart and then look at the volume and then look at what the average volume turnover is compared to the total number of shares available. And what I'm meaning by that is if I look at this on a monthly chart, and the total number of shares available is available generally on their websites um, and their information, their, their uh, annual reports, those sorts of things. So you're looking at this saying, if you look at the average across here, so if I put the average across here, and let's say it's roughly 17 million shares are traded every single month. And let's say there's 100 million shares that are able to be purchased in SIM. You can look at that as a percentage. You can calculate that percentage and then say, well, okay, so much of these shares are getting turned over every single month is that liquid enough for me. And that's really what I would suggest on a term of looking at the stock, not just a technical point of view, but from a fundamental type of view, and obviously looking at its fundamentals in terms of earnings and dividend yields, EPS, P ratios, all of those um, metrics that you might like to look for growth there. But I don't have a problem with you trading this stock. It's a good stock. It's looking really good right now, but a great question from you in asking that. I know a lot of people would think about that. Now, next question we have is from Patsy, who says, Hi, Dale. Love your podcast. Not sure if this is the right forum to ask questions, but what are your thoughts about Rio? Now, technically, price is about to break above historical high. Fundamentally, iron ore price um, not going to come down anytime soon with all the infrastructure spending in China, uh, despite ScoMo's best efforts to sabotage the trade relationship. China is still, still relies on us as Brazil tries to fight off COVID and Guinea mines won't be operational for at least another five years. Well, I'd like what you say, and I do like Rio, and we'll have a look at the chart on Rio, but don't think iron ore prices can't go down. And, and, and I'll tell you a story. Many, many years ago, I was on Sky Channel all the time. I was on Sky News and Sky Biz um, and being interviewed there. And I think oil was at like a hundred odd, over a hundred dollars a barrel. And everybody was saying oil was going to go to $200 a barrel. And I was saying, well, no, it's going to halve in price. Now, the people that were saying it was going to go to $200 a barrel said it was the diminishing resource, so is iron ore. Uh, and they say the demand for it's there, so it can't fall away. And that's not correct because iron ore, uh, sorry, oil fell over the next 12 months. It fell 50% in price. So things can fall, even though you might not think they, well, what if China changes their policy on their development and, and infrastructure? What if China's already got enough iron ore stockpiled there so it doesn't need it? What if the relationship changes with China, uh, uh, with Australia on iron ore? And I, and I look, and I know you're saying yeah, about SCOMA, I don't want to get into political things, but we can't be having another company, country dictate to us about certain things. And so we do need to stand up on our own two feet. Um, and so I partly disagree with you there, but in terms of Rio, I like the stock. Look at the stock itself. The stock will tell you whether it's good or bad. I don't need to get too much into this fundamental data, but right now, let's go and have a look at the chart and see what Rio is actually doing. So bringing up Rio and get off SIM, and you can see Rio is looking really, really, really nice. This current month, we're doing a beautiful run up. Let's go back and look at the whole history of Rio. Rio is one of these great stocks that uh, you know Australians have really built fortunes on. And you can see the previous all time high there back from May 2008 prior to the GFC was $124.18. Now, Janine and I have been talking about materials being a great place to be in, involved in over the, with, I think with about three or four months, we've been saying to get into materials. Probably a little bit early on some of the materials like BHP, um, but Fortescue's also done very, very well. And Rio is 
looking great. Um, and it's likely to break through that all-time highest. I, we do think these material stocks are looking really, really good. It's a lot more stable and a lot more steady than some of the other stocks we're seeing. But that said, this month, a little bit of weakness there over the past coming weeks or last week or so. You can see here the last two weeks, it has been a little bit weak. Um, down here but last week's not too bad it's just easing off a little bit because you can see how fast it took up through here and it was exactly what I was talking about with the your lords what goes up fast it'll start to slow down to its normal momentum and I think that's all it's doing right now but I do expect Rio to move through that all-time high in the not too distant future but I do like the stock so thank you very much for asking the question and thanks for bringing it up um, from there but stay with it if you don't own it yet uh, I would just sit back and wait a little bit before you buy and wait for it to settle a little uh, if you do own it don't be too worried about it I think it has got more medium to longer term potential this year and into next year so um, but as I said good question the next question we have is from Chris and who's asking hi Dale just inquiring what is a good platform to get into day trading and do you find it uh, find a, it lucrative I think that's what he meant so what's a good platform to get into day trading and do you find it lucrative? I think the questions is back to front is the first question should always ask is, is it lucrative? And the answer, because if it's not, then why worry about the platform? Uh, to me, day trading, can I say I've never met a day trader that's consistently profitable long term. And generally you'll get day traders that are profitable for weeks, months, and maybe even a couple of years when you get nice long-term bull markets. But when you get into bearish markets, sideways markets, a little bit more volatile markets, they tend to lose money. And often I find day traders last anywhere between three months and three years. After about three years, they tend to blow themselves up a little bit because it's an emotional game. And you know sometimes toilet breaks can be very expensive because they're watching the market. But it also it's also about what is the definition of a day trader. And when I ask a lot of people what a day trader is, most people don't know. They just think somebody trades all day long every day in front of their computer screen. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't stand sitting in front of my computer screen all day long and watching things going up and down. You are sucked into the market and you see this on the TV all the time where these people have multiple screens and they're yelling and screaming at the screens. Because when you're watching prices run up and down and your money's in the market, you cannot not get emotional about that. And when you and there's only a certain amount of people that have the, how do I say it, the intent, in, internal fortitude to actually be able to manage that and be very um, black and white about it. The more you day trade, the more clinical you need to be in trading, not emotional. And you need to be making decisions quite quickly. So to be a very successful day trader long term, you do need to have a real big education and a solid education, a lot of experience to be able to do it correctly. Because it's, as I said, it's very hard for people to turn off their emotions. So in my view, in terms of day trading, for the most part, most day traders spend, uh, if I was, uh, no, it's not successful. Most day traders aren't successful more than a, maybe a year or two or anything longer than that. And they start realizing that they've done it wrong. We constantly have day traders come to us and we retrain them and they go, wow, why I'm trading less and making five times more money because I'm actually position trading and getting better runs. So that's my answer. And the end of the day is, is what's the goal? Are you looking to make money in the market to replace your income or are you looking for another job? And day trading is another job. But why would you train one job for another one? Um, and, but to do that, you need to be educated. The second part of your question is about platforms. And I don't recommend any platforms. I just stay right out of it. I don't recommend brokers. I don't recommend platforms. That's your job to figure out who you want to use. But platforms, you need to be careful with them because it, if they're an overseas platform, I wouldn't use them. And, and I say that from a security point of view, is if you're dealing with pl platforms that are, a, that are 
um, overseas companies, even though you might be able to subscribe to them here in Australia and set an account and send them some money overseas, you don't have ASIC and the ACCC to protect you. So it's a protection thing. So num step number one, always use a platform that is based in Australia and you're putting money into an Australian bank account or accounts within Australia and that the company you're using are based under ASIC and the ACCC in Australian law. That's the first criteria, always, always. Because if you have troubles with an overseas platform, you can't call on anybody. And the, the, the ACCC said, well, it's not our jurisdiction. We don't care. ASIC, we don't regulate them. So you have to play with whoever the overseas country is. So please stay in Australia. Second thing is it's not necessarily about day trading. It's about how do you trade better or what style of trading is best for you and you need to work that out. Uh, there's some great platforms around there. You've got some, all the banks have really good platforms for buying and selling stocks, so they're perfect. You've got to remember how, and you've also got to get into how the platform works. A lot of platforms take money and clips everywhere else. So if anybody says, I can give you free trading or free brokerage, they're making money out of you somewhere. Um, and generally, it's it's they're making more money than you are. So they're enticing you to trade, so they make more money out of you. You don't want a platform that's constantly pushing trades at you because what they're doing is they're just getting brokerage and other fees out of you. They don't care whether you make money or not. So that's why I quite often say to people, just use your local bank, whatever, who you bank with, set up a broking uh, platform with them, set up an account with them, start buying and selling some shares, get understand the market first, learn how to trade uh, and, and learn how to trade well, and then look at other platforms that may be a little bit more leveraged, such as CFDs or FX or something like that. But once you have the knowledge and experience to do so, but really good question. Thank you for asking it because it allows me to explore things with you and everybody else, because uh, I do find too many people pick a platform first thinking it's all all the bells and whistles and it's going to make them a lot of money but then they don't know how to trade uh, and so it's like you know asking you know, saying a builder showing up to your block of land and you're saying here I'm going to build my uh, you, you build my dream home and you're paying him hundreds of thousands of dollars to build the home and he shows up with a screwdriver and that's all he's got he's not going to be able to build your house with that and so a lot of people that's how they take the market they don't have the knowledge and experience to do it and they just set up a platform hoping it's going to get them some money and then the platform just takes their money and that's really what happens and it's legal because you're trading and you're making the decisions and you're placing the trades they're just enticing you to trade to do more and that's really what they're supposed to be doing they, they make money when you buy and sell that's how they do it so just be careful where you set up but again as I said, just look, go to your bank um, and set up, start trading some shares first and make sure you can understand the process and what you're doing. But thank you for the question. Lastly, we have a question from Joe who says, how, um, how Dale, I love your work and I've learnt a lot from watching you. I also just wanted to see what your thoughts are on SWM. I purchased this share when it was 13 cents and it's currently climbing and the media companies and the tech giants are currently going through a legal battle. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in the in the media space because Google basically they want to play God um, and they think they own all content on the web and they're not paying the media companies in Australia for their content even though they're giving it out freely on Google they're taking the content and distributing it freely so the media companies are not getting any revenue from that now Google saying it's for whatever reason they think what well, they should be glad for that sort of stuff. But, you know, hey, the media companies have to pay for journalist equipment, all that sort of stuff, just as we do. Been doing this for you for free, we we have to pay, we've paid tens of thousands of dollars for equipment and I pay staff to put all this together. 
so I can bring these free reports to you. But we do make money. We make money from teaching people how to trade. And, you know, we sold my book and uh, so we make some money on that. So it's a nice little trade-off. We give you good knowledge, good education, as you were saying, and you have learnt a lot from these videos. Um, but I really don't get into a lot of education on these videos. So it just shows you, you know, where the, your level of knowledge is right now. There's still a long way to go because there's a lot of stuff we don't talk about on these. Uh, and we do teach our students in our courses. But let's go and have a look at the chart of SWM for you and so we can see what you're doing and see how you're going with that sort of stock. Seven West Media is, it's great looking, it's looking beautiful right now and the perfect time to buy it would have been, you know, around where the area you bought it. So I don't know whether you got a tip or you did, whether it was good analysis, but around that 13 odd cents was a perfect time to buy this stock. And right now I wouldn't be worried about this at all. It looks really, really nice. I would suggest it's probably gonna come back for a little bit, maybe one or two months shortly. Um, and just to have a bit of easing off like I was talking about. But you can see over the longer history of this stock, it's been very bearish. A lot of media companies have been very bearish over the years simply because mainstream media, you know, newspapers, magazines, all of that sort of stuff, everybody's getting everything online. And, and a lot of people will read an article on a newspaper. I mean, I do, you know, and then they push up an ad saying, hey, subscribe to our newspaper. You know, they, they're doing that. They have to make money to pay the journalists to, to actually put out this content. And, you know, we've got a lot of bloggers. We've got a lot of people that put out content for free. But when you're talking about mainstream media, like they have to get money through advertising or subscriptions, one of the two. So, and again, I think, you know, I think we should be supporting our media and helping them, you know, because I think, you know, they are on the right when it comes to this, this uh, argument with Google. And I think Google should be respecting that these people are putting out quality education and quality information. So, but right now, Seven West Media, let me have a bit of a look at, oh, look, I think it's got, I think it's got, it can get right up into that 2 to $3 mark. It's not going to go there straight away, but I think you've bought a good stock. I think it's looking great right now. Let me look at the weekly chart. I think you need to have a stop loss in it. If you haven't got a stop loss on it, I would make sure you put one onto it. Um, and I'm not going to suggest a stop loss for you, but I would suggest it's probably going to find some resistance fairly soon in the next, as I said, next few weeks, maybe month or two, uh, probably then start to fall away for another one or two months, just ease off. But again, that wouldn't worry me too much. It just depends on your outlook, whether it's more long-term or short-term, but great, great question. Great stock. Really appreciate what you've done there. And I think you're doing well. If you're looking at learning how to set stop losses and how to manage your portfolio better, maybe you get my book, Accelerate Your Wealth. It's your money, your choice. It's on our website. You can get it at bookshops around Australia as well or online from Amazon. You can get a US version of it or an Australian one. The US version you can get off Amazon. It's got green on the cover and the Australian one doesn't have green on the cover, but it's I talk about the Dow stocks in the US version and the top 20 stocks in Australia on the Australian version. Or um, some people actually go to our website on a homepage. We've got a special at the moment where you can get my first book, How to Beat the Man Manage Funds by 20%. You can get that for free. Just pay the shipping and it's on the homepage. There's a little um, animation on the homepage. You can do that. But thank you everybody who sent your questions in and thanks to all of you who have subscribed to our channel. Uh, we do you know, really appreciate you subscribing. So if you do have a question that you'd like me to answer, just stick them below in the chat there and I'll get to them. But before you start typing, click subscribe. Now you need to do, I'll say that again, before you start typing your question, hit subscribe, as that is the only way that you will virtually guarantee that your questions will be answered. Now, three of the people that asked me questions today weren't subscribed, but I thought I put them in. So I've answered your question 
So how about you hit the subscribe button and support us for being able to answer your questions, being able to put these out. That helps us pay to keep this stuff happening and us doing a little bit more. So please hit the subscribe button now. Now, last week I asked you the question, which trading rule do you believe is the most important? Now we saw a lot of answers come through and so thanks to all of you who participated, it's really good to see everybody putting down their thoughts on what the best rule is. Now I'd like to say that all of you are right because the rules you mentioned were all very good rules and they were your rules and to me I can't argue with any of those. They're all very, very good rules and they're all very, very important rules. Now for me personally, I think the rule that is most important is the rule saying stick to your rules. As firstly it implies that you have rules. So the first rule in my book is have rules uh, and to me that is really critical and secondly, Sticking to your rules eliminates the temptation to take part in emotional trading and we all need to avoid that as much. So if you don't have rules, how do you stick to rules? So therefore create a set of rules and, and as I said, everybody put a lot of great rules there. So if you didn't see those and you're watching this and you didn't see that, go back to last week's report, have a look at the comment section, look at all the rules that people do, have sent and write them down and make them your rules because they're all brilliant rules. But then set the other rule, the overriding rule is always stick to my rule. It's sort of like Buffett says, don't lose money. Rule number two, refer to rule number one, don't lose money. Uh, and that's really what I'm saying is stick to your rules and you'll, have, you'll make far more money and you'll have less losses because uh, it's pretty hard not to have a loss in the market. Now, so just to let you know, or sorry, let you know to ask you, I want to ask you another question if I can get my mouth to it, which is pretty simple really. And that is why do you watch our videos? So Tell us down below, why do you watch our videos? Are you looking to learn? Are you looking to trade better? Uh, what is it about our videos do you do? Now remember, hit the subscribe button too and support the channel. Now put your comments below and we'll bring up some of those next week and we'll have a chat about that. Now before I go, remember that on this channel we do these Monday market reports every week on a Monday. We also do our live stream every Tuesday night with Janine and I. 7 to 8 p.m. right here on uh, YouTube. We also do it on Facebook. We simulcast streaming it on Facebook. So you can subscribe to our Facebook page and watch it on that one as well. But remember, hit the subscribe button now and click the bell on the right of it. So you know when we upload our videos and we go live. I'm Dale Gillum, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Thanks for watching today. Goodbye, good luck, and good trading. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.